This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, there are just two teams left in the 2017 National Lacrosse League playoff. The commissioner, Nick Sakevich, stops by. We'll talk Casey Powell Hall of Fame. The worlds are going to Israel. And a massive reason why sometimes technology is the absolute worst. All that more on OTCB. What is going on, lacrosse fans? And welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. Thank you for stopping by. If you want to get a hold of me, drop me an email, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash off the crossbar. There's an E on the end of cross. I'm sure you know that by now. Well, we have just two teams left. And, man, the Colorado Mammoth just cannot catch a break in the Saskatel Center. Three games in that barn, all three lost by one goal. And the game Saturday was another instant classic. The Rush winning it 11-10. to 10. And I was in attendance, and it was a rockin'. It wasn't sold out, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But it was very loud. It was an incredible lacrosse game. And it was back and forth and could have gone either way. But the Saskatchewan Rush were able to hold on. And it was a game-winning goal from Mike Messenger that sealed it for the Saskatchewan Rush. As the Mammoth tried to claw back late, but were unable to score in the last four and a half minutes. And so the Rush will go to their third straight championship game in hopes of tying the Rochester Nighthawks, who are the only National Lacrosse League team to win three straight titles. Their opponents in the championship final will be the Georgia Swarm who dispatched of Toronto in two straight games with a 13-9 win in Game 2 on Saturday. And they really had the entire control of that game. They never gave up the lead. They were up 3-0, up 3-2. And Toronto tried to get back in it. It was 5-4 at the end of 1. 9-6 after 2, but Georgia just too strong. And Mike Poulin too good. And the run for the Toronto Rock comes to an end, much like the Mammoth run has ended. And we are now left with two. And rightfully so, that they are the two best teams in the National Lacrosse League. You know, I would have loved to have seen the Mammoth there. Uh, Would have gotten me a couple more travel dates. As I'm sure everybody would have loved to have seen their team in the finals. But when you look at body of work throughout the entire season, these two teams have been the top two teams all year long. They've been on a collision course since the midway point of the season. And we will finally get to see a rematch of the game that these two teams played back in week two on January 7th in Georgia, where the Swarm put a whooping on the rush, eight 
14 to 10. And we didn't think we'd ever see that. Now, again, take it for it with a grain of salt. The Rush were, replay, were playing without Aaron Bold. Tyler Carlson got the start and didn't look very strong. However, it was sort of the coming out party of the new look swarm, and they never turned their back the rest of the way. It was one of five games where the Swarm put up 18 or more goals against an opponent. And they even had a couple of nights where they had 17 goals. So this is a very high-powered offense, as are the Rush. Both teams have been playing fantastic defense over the last couple of weeks. And so we we are going to get sort of the matchup of the best of the best. And that's what anybody would want for a championship game. So, we get the Swarm, we get the Rush, but we got to wait a bit. And we talked about this last week uh, when the news came out that the championships game, championship games were going to be delayed because of... Um, the NCAA finals that are going on, uh, and some other reasons. And when we get to Nick Sakevich, the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, in a minute, we'll hear some of his thoughts. But waiting, you know what? I don't like the break, but I can understand the break. I think it is good for this league to do it in this format for some reasons, and... Rightfully so, they don't want to compete with the NCAAs. I get that. They want to give teams ample time to sell tickets because I believe in years past, um, the highest drawn attended games are playoff games. It's just unfortunate because we'd like to keep that momentum going. You know what I mean? That break it can kind of slow things down. And and because we're not an everyday league where teams are practicing every day and media can get information every day and pump out stories every day, sometimes the lacrosse world can get lost is what I'm saying. And I don't think that will truly be the case because I'm sure the teams will be putting out stuff, but we still kind of miss that immediacy of it. But we'll see how this thing how this thing turns out. Um, the games will be Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, starting June fourth down in Gwinnett, a five oh five p.m. Eastern time start, and then on the tenth in Saskatoon, nine thirty p.m. Eastern, and then if a game three is necessary, the following Sunday, June eighteenth, at five oh five Eastern again. So let's get some things out of the way. Um, I mentioned off the top, technology can be the worst. And I have a 30-minute fantastic interview with Nick Sikevich. And because the app I use decided to eat gremlins for no reason, a lot of that interview isn't listenable. And I am extremely rattled. I'm very upset. Because it was an in-depth chat with the commissioner. And he opened up 
about quite a lot of things, and I will try to relay some of those things to you, um, rattle them off the top of my brain. I was able to bring out some sound bites from our conversation, um, and a couple of them you can kind of hear some of the gremlins um, starting to click in, but I had bleeding phone calls. I had other people talking on the line when I didn't hear them when the phone call was being recorded, so I apologize in advance. I had hyped this up on Twitter it was going to be the interview of all interviews with the commissioner, and I'm going to give you like four clips. Talk about a letdown. And I apologize. I'm doing everything in my power to work with the company that I use to record these calls to try to get those things fixed. But don't have your fingers crossed. I, I want to punch my phone, but that's not me, so we move on. So let, let's get to some of the meat and potatoes of the interview with Nick Sakevich. Um, we talked about a lot of things, everything from attendance um, to the playoffs to uh, the coming week that the National Lacrosse League is going to be in Boston for the NCAA Final Four, uh, the relationships with some of the partners that the NLL has brought on from U.S. Lacrosse, U.S. Boxla, NCAA, uh, a working relationship with Major League Lacrosse, um, you know, the so we, th- there was a lot. And like I said, I, I don't have it. I want to be able to play it for you, but you'd be just as mad as I am listening to all of a sudden in the middle of one of his questions, there's a dial tone or someone answering in Spanish, a couple of people yelling back and forth, a garage, a mechanic. So I will give you what I can. Because there's no way I was going to make you sit through a half hour of all of that junk. So, first things first. Um, Obviously, a lot of the talk going into these finals will be attendance in Georgia. It's been an issue all year long. And the commissioner completely understands that. But along with Dave Rowan and some of his staff within the league... They are working with team services all across the league to try to better their attendance numbers and work at getting more people inside the arenas. And Georgia was trying to put 10,000 fans in their seats for game two. It didn't happen. I think they reported 6,000 people that were at the game. Uh, The commissioner said that it was a pretty spot-on number. I've seen pictures But he was there, I wasn't, and you can't really tell just from pictures, but it looked like probably one of their biggest crowds of the year. But in a 10,000-seat arena, 6,300 is more than half full, and it didn't look like that to me. He was there, I wasn't. And so when I asked him if he had concerns about attendance numbers, this was his answer. And it was a great atmosphere. Uh, Having said that, yeah, Georgia has a lot of work to do. you know that that team and that business operations need uh, need to do better. There's no question about it, especially during a regular season. And that's true. But we can't worry about the regular season now. We have to stay focused on the playoffs. And what is this market and and Andy Arlotta and John Arlotta and their business services people going to do to try and get that arena jam-packed for game one and possibly game three. 
Because if this game is on Twitter and this game is on NLL TV and it's a half-empty barn with big patches of blocked seats out, it's just not going to look good. And so I continued on with our conversation about Gwinnett with the commissioner, and I, I asked him, you know, when you first came into this role, we talked on this podcast, and he said that he stood strongly behind that market and that they would do well. And I asked him again, and again, he was adamant that he believes in the Gwinnett market. Good old time, and they were dancing when the Swarm scored, and they were into the game. Um, you know, and, and Gwinnett County is a million people in it. It's yeah. one of the largest counties in America filled with these types of people. So I'm as bullish about that marketplace as I ever was. Yeah. And it, it takes, you know, professional sports management and operations and, and strategy to create an environment where those people come out in larger score. And, you know, we, we continue to, to advise and guide the, the swarm on those tactics and strategies, and they have to execute it. So the execution is sort of a big word, and that execution is getting people out into the streets, getting the players on TV stations and radio shows and out into the public to try to drum up any business of any sort and try to create some sort of buzz. And I know they are trying to get as many you know, local sport athletes in the Atlanta area on board. Um, they have a ton of former athletes that are tweeting things out and trying to drum up business, so they're trying to get some help. And the extra 14 days or whatever they're going to have to sell tickets and drum up that business I think will be huge. So I have my fingers crossed for game one down in Georgia. So then I asked the commissioner about that break, and he gave a couple of examples that we've already heard, um, extra time for ticket sales, more ability to drum up business, and, of course, that they don't want to coincide with the NCAA finals. It's really important that box lacrosse become more relevant in the United States and the NCAA uh, is a great partner of ours in, in the growth of lacrosse um, so it's it was important to stay off of that weekend and I think you'll see that with our league going forward and uh, we're, we're not going to compete um, around an important lacrosse event in the United mm. States and that's just that's just sensible so obviously a variety of reasons um, to have this two-week window before the end of the conference finals going into the finals. However, he did bring up a point about other pro leagues. Between the conference finals of the NFL, the two conference mm-hmm. finals, and the, and the Super Bowl, and a lot of a lot of leagues have that two-week window for a variety of reasons, namely um, player rest. Player rest. That's not something we actually hear in the National Cross League because... The league is generally so compact, and I get it. They only play on weekends how much more rest they want. Trust me, when you are playing every weekend and you are flying every weekend and it's late-night flights, early mornings, early morning flights, 
You're eating in and out of hotels. Trust me, it takes a toll on your body. And the idea of giving players an extra week of rest is a good thing because you would want the best players to be at their best. And this is a great way for that to happen. Give them some extra time. Allow them to get healthy. Allow them to prepare properly. And it will just make for a better game. So we have player safety. Chances, more chances to sell tickets. They stay away from the NCAA Final Four weekend where the NLL will have a significant presence. And we get a two-week break. So what are they going to be doing during that break? Well, they'll be in Boston this weekend. And the commissioner is going to be on stage Friday night at the Lacrosse Industry Summit. He'll be on stage with the outgoing commissioner of the MLL, David Gross. And they will be talking how to build the pyramid. And with them being two of the top people at the pyramid, I truly hope that this is a very constructive discussion. And one of the comments that the commissioner made was that for 31 years, the National Lacrosse League has been playing its season at the same time. And with more teams on the horizon, the season's not going to get any shorter. It's only going to continue to get longer. And the season will have a bigger footprint across the calendar. And he wants to make it so that there is only one decision for players to play. He doesn't, he wants it to be in the National Lacrosse League. And so I said to him, I said, well, just so you know, five years ago, the season ended May 15th. And now you're about to end a season another month later. That is why there are some people who are upset, and these people are mostly major league lacrosse people, that the league continues to go further into their season, which creates players to actually have to make a choice. Joe Walters, for example, would have been playing for Rochester had he not signed a contract with the New York Lizards that basically paid him all year long to do camps and appearances and all that other stuff, which didn't allow him and wouldn't allow him to play in the NLL. Paul Rabel, Kyle Hartzell, Brendan Mundorf, all these guys that should be playing box lacrosse and have played it before can't now and have decided not to because their MLL life in essence, doesn't allow them to. Sidebar, if you're not listening to Paul Rabel's Suited Up podcast, you're missing out. Go check it out. Last week, he had Bill Belichick on. This week, it was Matt Hasselback, and they're both fantastic conversations. And again, I'll say, I don't know the answer of how to make the two leagues coexist. But if... The National Lacrosse League is going to be the league that boasts the best lacrosse players in the world. We can't have some of the best lacrosse players in the world opting not to play 
because they don't want to miss the first six weeks of the MLL season. So we started talking about relationships, like I said, between U.S. Boxla, which he was very adamant is a new and growing partnership, but he understood that U.S. Boxla had a giant footprint already in the box sector, and they are doing incredible things to grow the game of box in the United States. And so he wants to continually work with them to help grow the grassroots of the box game. Uh, He talked about their partnership with the U.S. Lacrosse Association and how they are kind of working together to sort of help the U.S. box game going. And I think that kind of goes in line with U.S. Boxla. And you heard during his comment about staying away from NCAA weekend, he wants the box program to be not only big in the U.S., but big in the minds of college students. So, you know, he's trying to work with the NCAA, like I said, U.S. box, U.S. lacrosse, MLL, um, the MCLA. He's trying to work with as many groups as he can to continue to grow the National Lacrosse League into as big a beast as he can. So that was our conversation about relationships that he's trying to build. And then we kind of meandered back towards attendance numbers and uh, just overall attendance throughout the National Lacrosse League. And and he was very happy and and proud of the fact that uh, season ticket holder numbers have gone up, overall attendance had gone up. And he specifically mentioned the New England Black Wolves and how much of a turnaround that they have done since last year. I went to two of their games this year where they sold out and they increased their attendance by 143%. So a great story there. Great job by that new management staff. Amber Cox and their ownership did a phenomenal job there this year. So really excited about stuff like that. And that just proves the point that the NLL product, the content, the game, the players are the best in the world. And that's why people want to come and see it. And again, that goes back to the point I just made. It's the league with the best players in the world that people want to see. And we need to find a way to get the best of the best playing. If we are going to have this expansion boom that's slowly coming. And he said to me, in the coming months of this summer, there will be expansion announcements. He doesn't really expect teams to be playing in 2018, but there will be announcements coming. And if we are going to start growing our league, we are going to need to find players from the U.S. coast to coast, and that means the best of the best. We can't expand and start filling our teams with senior B players. It has to be the best of the best. There's going to be a need for goaltenders. There's going to be a need for coaches. There's going to be a need for utility players. There's going to be a need for guys like Joel White. There's going to be a need for stars like Paul Rabel. Do I think Paul Rabel will ever play in the National Crossing again? No. But if, if we get to sort of pass over that generation of guys that are, you know, Paul Rabel, Kyle Harrison, that generation of guys, 
if we're going to skip over that 2000 to 2007 U.S. college group of players, we have to start getting the kids that are coming out now and getting them playing the box game. And that's going to start with the draft. That's going to start with recruiting. Um, The commissioner mentioned that a lot of the GMs are going to be at championship weekend in Boston looking at players. And I know a lot of GMs have already been looking at players because of the success of Tom Schreiber and because of the play of a guy like Greg Downing and Joel White and some of these Americans that have picked up the game and had instant success or even long-term success. But if players are going to continue to have to fight the urge to choose between NLL and MLL, we're going to have to find a way to convince them to stay indoors. Now, I truly wish I could play that whole interview for you because there were a lot of good, juicy little tidbits in there that I'm sure all of you would love to hear. And I want to be able to hear them again, but I can't. I'm working with the company that I record my calls through, trying to figure out how to get those gremlins out, and if it ever happens... I will gladly post that interview for you all to listen to. But sadly, I can't. So we have to move on. Um, We've talked about the games last weekend. Uh, We've got a week off before we're going to talk about game one. So we'll do all of that next week on the show. Um, But there were a couple interesting news tidbits that came out on Tuesday. Um, we kind of talked about the relationship between the National Lacrosse League and U.S. Lacrosse. Well, um, the National Lacrosse League retweeted U.S. Lacrosse's tweet that said they had announced the nine members going into the U.S. Lacrosse National Lacrosse Hall of Fame, completely different than the NLL Hall of Fame. But one of the key names on that list was the only American ever to win the National Lacrosse League MVP award, and that is Casey Powell. Which brings me to the question I've asked many times. How the hell is Casey Powell not in the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame? I don't get it. Why do people not want to vote him in? He's on my ballot this year. Along with Doyle and along with another guy who I'm pretty sure is probably going to announce his retirement soon. And this is a question that I wanted to ask the commissioner that was, um, it, I just kind of skipped over it. I forgot to ask him. Probably wouldn't have been recorded properly anyway. But the question was going to be, how are they going to sort of rectify and get some of these older guy, older names of players who played into the NLL Hall of Fame? Because there are a ton of guys that truly deserve to be in a Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. The National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. Kevin Finneran. Ted Dowling. Kurt Miloski. Chris Panos. Casey Powell. The list goes on and on. Reggie Thorpe. And, like, Chris Gill. I had this conversation with um, the Mammoth guys in Denver... Um, before game one of the uh, fi- uh, the West Finals. We were talking about um, 
championships between Stroop, Gill, and Coyle, and we are talking about Hall of Fame and all that stuff. Chris Gill has more points, more goals, and he's not in the Hall of Fame, but Dan Stroop is. It's mind-boggling to look at some of the guys that put in work in the early days of this league, even in the early 2000s, and they're not in the Hall of Fame, and they can't seem to get in the Hall of Fame because I don't want to say the voting is messed up, but it's just a tough system to get as many votes as you possibly can. Remember last year? Remember how many, what percentage of votes Josh Sanderson got? He was on 77% of the ballot. He wasn't even a unanimous entry, and he's like one of the best ever. Tracy Kolusky had to be voted in by the current members of the Hall of Fame. He only got 75%. It's crazy. And so if we are going to celebrate the history of the National Lacrosse League, we have to find a way to get some of our greatest players in there. I understand the Hall of Fame is a very, very prestigious thing. I am not trying to belittle the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame at all by trying to put everybody in there. However, in 30 years, there are just 27 players in the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. We had four years where only one person was inducted because the other inductees didn't get enough votes. And I've said this before on this show. A lot of that reason is because some of these people who vote had never seen the likes of Kevin Finnan or Gavin Prout or Casey Powell or Reggie Thorpe or Tim Sudan, Randy Mearns. So I think that's one area that the National Lacrosse League really needs to improve on. And with Casey Powell going into the U.S. Lacrosse, National Lacrosse Hall of Fame, I think it kind of has to shine a light to the indoor world that this man deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Go get him, CP. The other news that came out on Tuesday was that the 2018 FIL World Field Lacrosse Championships were no longer, which we already knew, going to be held in Manchester. We already kind of knew that they were going to Israel. We just didn't know where in Israel. Well, it turns out that the FIL has awarded Netanya Israel, not to be confused with Netanyahu, Netanya Israel, a city in the north central district of Israel, We'll host the games. I wonder how many Canadian players, and American players for that matter, have been to Israel. I'm going to say that number's pretty darn low. I wonder how many of those players would be willing to go there. It'll be interesting. I... And this isn't a shot at Israel whatsoever. And I 
probably sure that you ask any of those guys and it would be a trip of a lifetime. But with everything going on and everything that goes on in these players' lives back home, how many of them will be up for a trip to Israel? Now, one of the cool things about it is because it is in Israel. I was going to say Eastern Europe, but that's not where it is. Um, Because it is in Israel, it will allow more European countries to go. And in 2014, we had the largest tournament ever when it was in Denver. I think we will have an even bigger one with it being in Israel. And fingers crossed, I don't see any reason why not, but fingers crossed that the Iroquois Nationals will be able to travel and play in this event and give us a darn good show because obviously Canada, U.S., Iroquois, the three big favorites, and Israel made a bit of an impact in the past couple world championships with their sort of influx of Israeli North Americans, if that's a proper term. But I think opening the world games of lacrosse to sort of non-traditional markets is great. And if you go to um, Lax All-Stars, Connor Wilson did a pretty good piece on just everything that's going to be going on there, some of the things that have happened there. Um, and it's a great little read if, if you need something to read up on Netanya, where these games are going to be held. So um, that was the other sort of weird and wild news that came out from the lacrosse world on Tuesday. The Isle Indoor Awards are slowly starting to come out, and today we announced, or Stephen Stamp announced, our GM of the year. And the winner is John Arlotta of the Georgia Swarm. And this is the kind of funny thing. John Arlotta and Jamie Dowick tied with 32 points of first-place votes and second-place votes. And I'm okay with that. Those two guys did a ton of work. Each guy had four first-place votes and three second-place votes. And the only reason John Arlotta won is because somebody ranked him fifth. Not third, not fourth, fifth. So he got one extra point. And that gave him a 33-32 advantage over Jamie Dowick. Rubbing a little salt in the wounds of Dowick after Arlotta's swarm knocked Dowick's rock out of the playoffs. But with all that he did in over the years acquiring those draft picks and using his draft picks this year to pick up some absolute studs, to trading for Jordan Hall and acquiring Mike Poulin, How do you rate him fifth out of all the other GMs in the National Lacrosse League? How do you rank that guy fifth? And yet, here's the other little brain teaser, because we had eight people vote. Somebody didn't even have Jamie Dowick in the top five. Mind-boggling. Straight up mind-boggling. 
Um, before we get out of here, the WLA season kicked off uh, with their first game of the year last week on Friday. The Victoria Shamrocks knocked off the Langley Thunder by a goal to win the first game of the WLA season. There's no games until uh, later on this week. But the national rankings continue to come out, and nothing has changed in the Senior A Top 7. Still Six Nations, Maple Ridge, Peterborough, Victoria, Brooklyn, New West, and Burnaby. And then your top 10 in the BC Junior A, or sorry, in the Junior A loop, Six Nations, New West, Coquitlam, Langley, Orangeville, Mimico, Whitby, Burlington, Brampton, Calgary, and the Beaches from Toronto get an honorable mention. Again, I don't do these. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just relaying the information. Uh, speaking of Calgary, uh, great to run into Dwayne Bratt and Joe Vitri um, and all their staff at the Saskatchewan Rush game. It was great catching up with Joe. Uh, I'm going to get him on the show kind of once the NLL season winds down, and we'll get Joe on to talk about the Mountaineers and everything going on in Alberta lacrosse. But because the National Lacrosse League is on a quote-unquote break, but they are still doing lots of work and preparing, and I don't have anything else for you to listen to. We're just going to end it there. A real short OTCB this week, but I promise you, next week we will go in-depth into the Georgia locker room and the Saskatchewan Rush locker room as we get you set for Game 1 of the NLL Championship Final. Remember, June 4th, 5.05 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch it on NLL TV. If you want to get a hold of me here at the show, you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. I will be calling the Victoria Shamrocks game Friday. Get the Burnaby Lakers. All WLA games will be seen via pay per view on Playful Screen. And if you happen to be listening to this and you are from Vancouver Island, Southern Vancouver Island, all Victoria Shamrocks games will be replayed via Shaw, Tuesdays at 7. So there you go. That'll do it. If you are in Boston or the area, enjoy the NCAA final. Say hi to my brother. He'll be there with the Team Canada women's team. We will talk to you in a week's time. Enjoy the games, everybody. And if you go to the games, take a friend, take a friend, take two. The more friends you have, the more friends they'll have. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other.